We're talking draft right now on Radio Row here at the Combine. Casey Valier's along. I'm Matt Taylor. At our table right now, one of the best draft analysts in the game, Chris Trapasso from CBS. CP, what's going on, man? How are you? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, it's great being back here. wasn't here last year, uh, but just to be back in Indy to take everything in, right. see the setup, hear the GM speak, and now we're getting some prospects. It's my favorite week of the pre-draft process. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's there's 4,000 strong, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> And this convention center is so big, there's another convention going on, like yes. the, the Gasoline Alley Expo, which I don't know what that is. It's, I saw that in one of the ballrooms. This building never ceases to amaze me yeah. how massive it is. Listen, month of May, man, Gasoline oh, Alley, yeah. it's coming, yep. right? Month of May is here for sure. All right, for you, what are you tracking so far? What are some things you've heard by GMs or coaches so far that directly impact the draft for you and kind of what you're tracking here? Well, I think it all kind of centers around the Colts, and are they going to be the team that trades up to number one overall? Mostly out at the bars and the restaurants, and here it's been how the quarterbacks are going to work out comparatively. I know we're not going to get Bryce Young, which is kind of a bummer. Not surprising, though. I mean, he can stand on his film at Alabama the last two years. How he measures in, I think, again, we had it with Baker Mayfield. We had it with Kyler Murray. People are going to really be paying attention to is he six foot? Probably not. Is he 200 pounds? Maybe right around there. And then C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. Everyone's, like, having their predictions of how they're going to work out. I think Anthony Richardson is going to test through the roof, and he's going to be, like, 6'4", 230 pounds. So... Even though he is very raw as a passer, he looks the part of a Josh Allen, of mm-hmm. a Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. How much of his testing this week, potentially, like you said, if that does come to fruition, how much will that help his draft stock? How, how, how willing do you think teams are going to be to grab him despite the small sample size, mm-hmm. despite the accuracy numbers being what they were last year? It'll be huge. I mean, if, if he tests, and it will all be height, and weight-based, of course, kind of have to use that as your guide. If he tests pretty good, Mm -hmm. people will say, okay, this is a middle-of-the-first-round lottery ticket that might have, you know, a a huge payoff. But if he runs, like, low four fives, has a 35-plus-inch vertical, and tests like one of the best athletes we've seen at the position, which I think he will, uh, then we could be talking about this is a locked-in top 10, maybe even top five pick. I put him at number one overall to the Colts in the recent mock draft, which which we can get into. Get into. Whoa. Because again, I think from just talking to people a little bit last year during the pre draft process and then here, because of Patrick Mahomes, because of Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, um, even Trevor Lawrence in the division, teams are understanding that these quarterback first round picks are lottery tickets. They want the one with the highest payoff. Bryce Young, you're getting an, an instant high level starter. Is he ever going to be able to out duel? a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes with the the throwing ability, the designed run game, which I think Shane Steichen wants to incorporate into this offense? Probably not. So he's the high floor, safe pick. Some teams will certainly have him at, at their number one quarterback, I think a lot of teams, but there will also be a lot of intrigue for Richardson and guys like Will Levis. Now, with that being said, you talk about Shane Steichen. He's got, you know, a a, a very interesting quarterback background, kind of all different types. When you look at it from a national perspective, does that kind of add that intrigue on why Anthony Richardson could be a guy to the Colts because he's worked with a handful of different, so you want to go with that big lottery ticket, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and me putting Anthony Richardson at number one overall in the mock to the Colts was not any inside info. Jim Irsay didn't, didn't call me <laughs> right. and have a 
conversation about it, it, it was because mainly what I mentioned with Anthony Richardson and the Shane Steichen uh, experience that he had with Jalen Hurts. I mean, certainly a second-round pick, but... I don't think he was that far removed in terms of how far he was away as a passer when he entered the NFL. And I thought in 2021 when they made the playoffs, um, it was very quarterback friendly, um, but they didn't put too much on Jalen Hurts' plate early, and that's what you'd want to do with Anthony Richardson. And then certainly this year, Jalen Hurts takes that next step more comfortable in Steichen's system and is an MVP candidate. Yeah. Now one of the things we've talked about here with the Colts and the Texans, Texans sitting at two, Colts at four, yeah. both kind of looking for that quarterback. You talk about who's going to trade up to one. Outside of those two teams, who are some other teams you're hearing? The Carolina Panthers are the one that is, is kind of buzzed the most. It just makes sense. Uh, what I found interesting this week is that a lot of people are like, there's always one or even two like mystery teams, surprise uh-huh. teams. Certainly, we got to see Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, how that right. all shakes out. Lamar Jackson as well. Maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, maybe even Ryan Tannehill, which I know yesterday they kind of said they're going to keep him for now, but we know how GMs can change their mind right. in a flash once free agency begins and, and once that salary cap turns over to the next year. Um, I, I certainly think that that all those things need to happen first. Um, and and we. We will always get one of those mystery teams in the middle of the draft. The only thing that is kind of a deterrent is that it's going to cost a ton, even for the Carolina Panthers, right. to go from nine all the way up to one with all the desire at the quarterback position and four really different but very marquee quarterback prospects in this draft. Yeah, I mean, that's it right there. I mean, how how bold do you think the Colts need to be? Is there a price tag? Is there a threshold that you have to stick to in order to go from four to one? And if you don't do that, Chris, in your estimation, if, if you're running the Colts, if you're a GM here in Indianapolis, how disappointed would you be if you don't get the number one pick, Texans maybe get your guy, and then you're sitting there with the third option at quarterback if you stay at four? Like how nuts would that drive you? Well, what what you just outlined is why for as much of an advocate in any other portion of the draft, I'm a big advocate for trading down, getting more picks. But if you have a con- strong conviction about your quarterback, especially at the start of a new head coach era, you got to find that guy. I mean, I'm from Buffalo. Brandon Bean did not shy away from making two trades to so go from 22 right. to 16 and then 16 to 7 to get Josh Allen and look at how that paid Voila. off. Patrick Mahomes, yep. same thing. I know a lot of the, the quarterbacks that have been traded up for in the top three haven't panned out as well, but in general, if you like your guy when it's a quarterback, you have to do it. And like you mentioned, it's added entry with the Texans there in the division. They may have to pay a little bit more to get ahead of the Texans because that could change the dynamic of this division for the next 10-plus years. So you've got, you've got Richardson – over Bryce Young? Um, not in my rankings, okay. but mock draft-wise because of what I outlined. The talent, the scheme fit with Shane Steichen, and I just think in today's NFL, you want to aim for the moon when you're, again, at the quarterback position. And you have an offensive-minded former offensive coordinator that, again, did an amazing job with a raw and athletic quarterback last two years with mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Now, for me, it seems like we talk about quarterbacks, you got the four guys, then you hear Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Mm-hmm. Who is next? I feel like I, I'm not, I haven't Great really question. heard who is next after that kind of group. Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher from Texas Tech, because I think he's not working out here. He had a uh, fractured foot, foot during the season. But he is long, he's bendy, he was very productive as a pass rusher. He's probably next. And I think after this week, Christian Gonzalez, the, the, uh-huh. uh, the Oregon corner, corner 
He's going to test similarly to Patrick Sertan. He's young. He's like 21 years old, was really good at Colorado, transfers to Oregon, had another strong season for the Ducks. Those two defensive guys I think are next. We've had a bunch of drafts where a lot of receivers and offensive linemen have gone off the board. I think, ironically, in, in this offensive renaissance that we're in, we're going to see actually the offensive skill position players go a little bit later in the first round. It's Chris Trapasso with us, NFL draft analyst from CBS. If the Colts, again, hypothetically stay at four, mm-hmm. um, that would mean, obviously, they wouldn't have to give up draft capital. Yep. If they move up, obviously, they do. If, if, they, if they were to give up rounds two, rounds three, maybe round four, given the price tag, mm-hmm. how much would they be missing out on in order to grab top-end talent in on you know on, on day two, day three of the draft, maybe in rounds four. In other words, how top heavy is the draft in terms of difference makers coming in right away, able to be starters in this class? Yeah, that would be kind of the downside of making that trade up, which again I, I certainly advocate for if if you like your quarterback. The wide receiver class, we don't have a Jamar Chase, we don't have uh, a Garrett Wilson in this class, like top ten, top five overall selection. Round two and round three is where the bulk of the the meat of this wide receiver class is. So to do that, you would probably miss out on, I don't want to say the best receiver in this class definitely, but there's four, five, six that you can pick from in that range. That's what they would ultimately be giving up. I think defensive line is very deep. It's kind of Jalen Carter and then mm-hmm. Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh maybe. Beyond that, more second, third round talent. So you'd miss out on the receiver depth and really the best of it defensive line as well and receiver depth for the Colts it's huge. where are you right now with with the core they have yeah they complement maybe a young quarterback yeah they definitely need to prioritize after quarterback wide receiver uh so it say they stayed at four I think this would be kind of mapping out a perfect kind of a consolation prize stay at four pick CJ Stroud who's actually my number one quarterback I've been raving about Anthony Richardson okay. but CJ Stroud I think is right in the middle of all these guys he has uh, the the size of Anthony Richardson, he has a little bit of improvisation ability, but he's way further ahead as a passer. We saw it at Ohio State the last couple of years. Um, and then you would be able to keep those day two picks to add maybe the third or fourth receiver off the board to pair him with C.J. Stroud. Certainly in free agency, they're probably going to lose Paris Campbell, but you could add a veteran. I think that's kind of the... the the new uh, template to follow where mm-hmm. you have a young quarterback. You don't necessarily load him up with young receivers where they're all trying to learn on the fly. You add some veteran pieces like the Eagles did with A.J. Brown. The Bills did with Stephon Diggs and John Brown yeah. and Cole Beasley. They could go that route as well. You don't necessarily need to just load up with 22, 23-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, so if it's not Anthony Richardson, if it's not a crazy trade that spends a lot of draft capital, C.J. Stroud and then just keeping those picks would be really good kind of secondary prize for the Colts. So why do you have Stroud over Young? I have Stroud over Young because I think still, even though we're in this uh, era where improvisation ability matters really more than it ever has, sure. arm talent, we, we know that Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they're really good just pocket passers first. And it's not that I think C.J. Stroud is way better of a pocket passer than Bryce Young. I think he's got a little bit of a better arm. I think he's a little more accurate than Bryce Young at all levels. And I'm, I'm truly concerned about Bryce Young's size. Norm, with Kyler Murray, I wasn't. With Baker Mayfield, I wasn't. And it's usually with more size comes more arm strength. But with Kyler Murray, he had a strong arm. Baker Mayfield was could throw the football all over the field with a lot of velocity, rip it down the field. 
Maybe I'm crazy, but I don't see a huge big time arm with Bryce Young. And if you are going to be this improvisational runner, you're going to be the size of a nickel cornerback and be like the number one overall pick franchise guy. That's a and little play every week and play every single week. I, I don't know if if that is your style that you want to run around and create as much as Bryce Young does at 5'11", 195 pounds that is going to be sustainable over the long stretch. And C.J. So, Stroud has a, a franchise-caliber body. Yeah, so you, you like the the build of Stroud more, yes. plus you're okay with didn't see a ton of playmaking ability off schedule, we but saw you saw late. enough yeah. late, so therefore you're okay with it. Is yes. that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. And, and two years, I mean, the last two seasons, Bryce Young poised beyond his years, uh, two big years at Alabama. C.J. Stroud had two great seasons at Ohio State, too. I saw a, a little bit more big-time throw ability where the defense is in perfect coverage. There's not really anywhere to go. Fits the ball through a tight window. I think Bryce Young can do that. Mm -hmm. I like Stroud's ability, and I think it projects better to the next level because he has a little bit of a stronger arm. Now, a, a best friend to a young quarterback, they often say, is a tight end, and this tight end group looks it's pretty loaded. deep here. It's loaded. Now, we, we talk about you know potential trades, and you could that could erase you know those later in draft picks for the Colts. Mm -hmm. But when you look at this tight end group, do you think there's going to be any in that first round? And therefore, if it's not in the first round, you could have you know day two could be very very tight end heavy. Yeah, for sure. I think day two of the draft, we're going to see. I don't know what the record is, but we could see close to that record. Okay. Dalton Kincaid from Utah is probably. Unless he runs really slowly, which I don't think he will, the locked-in first-round pick at tight end, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, um, got hurt in the second game this year, but looks extremely fast. Could run even in the four fours wow. at like six five and two hundred and fifty-five pounds. Uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa, you guys in Big Ten country certainly know him. Great after the catch. Even Brenton Strange from Penn State is really good. Um, it, it is a really good tight end class. And if the Colts want to upgrade that position, this is a class after a few that weren't very good. We only saw, I think there was two drafts in a row where there was no tight end in the first round. Not a lot of depth there. This year, even probably into the fourth round, you can get a guy that can be your tight end two and then evolve to your tight end one early in his career. Well, we At, saw that last year. I mean, the Colts took right. Jelani Woods in round three. Love I want to say he Woods. was the first tight end taken last year. So he's got a lot of problem, but still it's a young depth as far as the Colts go for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, and if we go back to Shane Steichen, I mean, with Dallas Goddard earlier, uh, Zach Ertz, they certainly mm -hmm. understand the importance of having probably a three-down tight end that's bigger, that can block a little bit, but can certainly – taking those throws in the flat and turning them into 5, 10, 15-yard gains. I think there are a lot of those yards after the catch receivers. Right. Even Payne Durham from Purdue here in Indiana, really fun after the catch, a big kind of moose in the open field. Oh, yeah. You could get him yeah. into the fourth round probably. Day three guy. Day three guy, and yeah. suddenly he's an outlet for your young quarterback uh -huh. that is a useful no player on the roster. Final thing with Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst from CBS Sports. We're here on Radio Row. You've been so gracious with your time, Chris. You also, not only, I mean, on top of the draft, you're also tracking the guys, you know, two years ago, three years yep. ago, and, and how they're developing. So with that in mind, what did you make of the rookie season of Bernard Ryman for the Colts at left tackle? Kind of a pseudo starter for most of the season. Certainly got better towards the end. What did you make of his development? And if the Colts maybe want to bolster that position, add some more depth, add some more competition, where can they find that in this draft? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it, it, even though he was a little bit of an older prospect, his rookie season wasn't surprising because it seemed like at Central Michigan he needed to get stronger, even though, again, he was an older prospect. Mm -hmm. 
And I think a lot of those warts that we saw early in the season were because he just was so worried about dealing with power up front. It was a lot of holding later in the season. And it's crazy how three, four, five months in the weight room, even in the NFL strength and conditioning program, can change that for a blocker. And I think that's the case. You don't get Quentin Nelsons every day and Tristan Wirfs, guys that are already NFL strong. But I did watch him late in the season. Uh, Someone tipped me off to him and said, hey, you got to go back and watch him because I liked him a lot. I thought it was a great pick for the Colts. Kind of settled in down the stretch. And I think um, this draft class is is not loaded at the offensive tackle spot, but it's kind of similar to what I said about wide receiver, rounds two, rounds three. It's kind of the case every year Mm -hmm. that there are starters littered all over the league that are day three uh, you know, early day three picks or day two selections, I think the Colts could certainly, and it would be smart with a young quarterback, yeah. to just keep reloading along the offensive line. There you go. He's one of our favorites, Chris Trapasso, NFL draft analyst from CBS. What's the rest of the week look like for you, man? So I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm going to try to take in as much as I can today, and then I'm running the live blog as the events are going on. So real-time oh, okay. reaction Over the from, weekend. My, from my couch back in <laughs> Buffalo. Um, I'll try to get out of the cold. But, yeah, running the live blog, real-time evaluations. And I just love when all the numbers come in. So we can yeah. kind of, And I know Chris Baylor does, too. He's a big athleticism guy. When all the numbers come in, it's, it's fun to kind of put them into the Excel sheet and see where everyone stands. Oh, up. yeah. I mean, that's really when it starts, yes, right, for yeah, a lot yes. of people covering the draft. i got to ask you, you're from Buffalo. Yep. You live in Buffalo, how many times a year do you uh, house some wings, man? Uh, like every lot. week? I, like we could, have, we could have, I mean, I know, not that your listeners I would want it. I, I could I, have a full I, I, podcast I think you'd be about surprised. Wings. I think you'd be surprised. I, I could have, a, like, we could do a wing episode where I talk about, like, the sauce, the crunchiness, the right, ability play, to stick to yeah, a wing. All right, we played there in the preseason. Gabriel's Gate. Where does that rank for you? That's in my top five. Okay. Oh, okay. Wow. In terms of in because they were damn good. In and they're big too. Yeah, they they're were really damn good. big. Yeah. In the city, that's probably top three. There's a few that are just outside the city of Buffalo that are better. Barbill. Yeah. When you guys are there next, get All to right. Barbill. It's by the Bill Stadium in East Aurora. <laughs> but Gabriel's Gate have the biggest wings. I don't know where they order them from, where they get them. Oh yeah. Very very good. If I'm in the, the the heart of the city, that's usually where I stop. All right. Well, I feel good about it because they were they were awfully tasty, my man. Always good to see you on the on Radio Thanks, Row. That's Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports.